tuning into the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hi. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about scheduling. And before we get into that, a little public service announcement that you need this episode more than this episode needs you. Ooh. So do not judge this book by its cover. This episode will be more interesting than it sounds. Sam, are you ready to unpack scheduling? Let's unpack it. Let's unpack my super busy schedule. Let's unpack your busy schedule and my moderately busy schedule. I'd, I'd probably have a lot more free time if I just learned how to schedule better. That's why this episode's important. This is, this is more of like a self-help thing. <laughs> this is therapy. This, this is that's for what this episode is. Yeah. This is also a very, very requested episode. Absolutely. Uh, we would kind of drop a couple hints in season one and then we just recorded the rest of season one and forgot about it or it just didn't really sound interesting but it's going to be interesting and you need this episode so yeah so sam why from a man who is a chronic scheduler someone who is quoted as if it's not on the schedule then it doesn't exist bulletproof calendar why is why is scheduling important why is keeping a schedule important Keeping a schedule is important for me because if I did not keep a schedule, I probably would not get much done. And I 100% know I would not be where I am at today if I did not have a schedule because I have found as a human, and for those listening, you're probably very normal, a very normal human overall. And we all have the tendency to want to procrastinate or not put in the work because that requires us uh, to actually do things. And sometimes Gilmore Girls is just way more appealing to me (laughs) than doing emails or invoicing or even editing this podcast. But when I schedule things... I see that I have actually more free time, and this is the power of scheduling. When you schedule things, you automatically and instantly almost realize you have lots of free hours in your time that you've been pissing away over the years. And so for me, I schedule my Netflix Gilmore Girls time at night because I can and because I found that even with the amount of things I do between mastering and blogging podcasting and being a dog dad and a husband and going to the gym, I still have almost every night a couple hours to watch Gilmore Girls. And that is only because of scheduling. And that is the number one reason why scheduling is important. So you can watch Netflix guilt-free because your work is done. (laughs) I still can't get over the Gilmore Girls. If you want something else to watch, go watch... The Office. The Universally Office is awesome Justifiable. Too. Never dies. It's a good show. I love The Office too. One of my favorite shows, easily. Just currently on easily. Gilmore Girls Kick. In the fall and winter, and I watch it, Gilmore Girls. And when it comes to editing the podcast, I'll say we're pretty like we're pretty good. Like when you hear like an hour, I mean, minus the music, it's like an hour of content. Like yeah. well, ha- I've I've had several people write in and been like yeah, I, I, I've kind of made it a goal to see how many edits I can find or something like that <laughs> in an episode. I'm like, 
I'd like eat your heart out, but I don't think there's a lot of them. There's usually like and, one. <laughs> yeah, it's like I didn't like how I said that. And you know why and, there's only one Matt usually? Because we're good at rambling, Sam. No, because because this is a ramble. No. Because you, Matt, make a schedule, and it keeps us on track most of the time. Oh, shit. There it is. We Full are, circle. This is why scheduling is important. It saves you time. I only make one edit when I'm editing because Matt has already scheduled out our general flow, and we know the amount of time we want to talk for, which is about an hour. That like, is I think, the brilliance of <clears throat> scheduling. It, it I think so, saves you like, time long term. I think everyone's heard those podcasts, at least I have, where it's like literally a person reading something that they've written. Right. And it's like there's an episode or two where like I did that, and it's like on the Luffs one, it's like I was reading an email, and I like made it very clear that I was reading just because it's going to sound like I am, I am terrible at reading out loud. I'm terrible <laughs> at reading in general. Me too. Like, I, I'm surprised that my reading level is above a fifth grader. <laughs> but when my son is like at in like sixth grade and he has a sixth grade reading level, I'll be like, "Well, at least you have something going for you." <laughs> so, <clears throat> but yeah, I'd say that I'd say that all of our episodes are pretty rock solid in terms of lack of edits. Yeah, and that comes from but we scheduling. like this is just like a, this is just like a bullet point of like, hey, let's talk about this, let's talk about this, and then let's figure out a way to segue back in. Right. But with that, that is to me scheduling, and that's part of what I do with my life is, you know, my calendar is essentially bullet points, you know, and I've, if you follow on my Instagram, Mo's Mastering, shout out to my own Instagram. That's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Chances are these, someone here found you just via your Instagram and was like, huh. If you are following this podcast. Yeah. If you're following me this year, I'm trying to. It'll be a Monday through Friday thing, most likely, because I take Saturday, Sunday off most time. Um, I've been putting out my my schedule every day so people can see what I'm doing from 6:30 a.m. to 5:30 p.m., which is my active times. And um, you know, it's just bullet points. It's like 6:30, get up with the dog. You know, meditate, journal, prep for the day. 7.30, I'm eating breakfast, I'm doing emails. Or actually, 7.30 is usually social media time, which I schedule um, because I do like social media, but I don't like the way it can consume you, um, and I don't enjoy starting my day off with social media. Otherwise, my brain power in the morning is zapped. So mm-hmm. I spend the first hour with my dog in meditation and journaling and writing out what I'm going to do for the day, and then social media comes after that, where I do social media, emails, invoices. Then I usually start my work, and so on and so forth. And it's all just bullet points mapping out my day. And this is part of the importance of scheduling is it frees up so much brain power and thought about what am I going to do today? What am I doing later? What am I doing at this time? Like I don't have any of that what-ifs anymore. Because I know exactly what I'm doing for the day, usually for the whole week, not so much past a week because I found even like, I mean, I'm busy with work, uh, with mastering, but I have still found like beyond a week, things are always shifting and changing with my mixers and producers and whoever's sending me stuff to where if I get beyond a week, 
I can tentatively put things in, but they're almost always going to shift a day or two around. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really only focus on you know my day and my week each time I'm looking at my calendar and booking things. So I found it to be important, you know, for that, for freeing up mental space, I found it to be super important for achieving anything you want to achieve, any goal. Um, I'm a big believer that you can do anything if you reverse engineer it, which is not my original idea. Um, But I find that there's like a thousand steps to doing anything, and all you have to do is map out those thousand steps. Once you do that, you put them in the calendar in your schedule You do each one, and then eventually you achieve the thing you've been trying to do, be it work with a certain person, you know, a financial goal, pay off debt, whatever it is, it's quite simple to to map it out on a schedule. And I think there's something very therapeutic about seeing it physically leave your head onto a piece of paper or into your phone because it helps you make it tangible into reality to see that oh, I can actually do this. I actually have the Mm -hmm. time to do this or I actually have the finances to pay off the debt or save up for the piece of gear I want to buy. Um, And I think that's empowering because it makes you, for me, it's just gained confidence of now applying like a pretty good routine and schedule for about three years now. Um, I found that kind of all my bigger dreams and aspirations now don't seem that, don't seem so daunting anymore because I've just kind of scheduled them out on how to achieve them. And, um, you know, that to me is the only way you really get things done efficiently is by scheduling them. Um, so that's, you know, those are my opening remarks, Matt, on why I Once think again, a monologue by Sam Moses. A monologue. Season two is just all about the monologue. It's very trendy. All about the monologue. <laughs> But what do you think, Matt, about scheduling? Why do you feel like it's important? And do you do you think it's important? I guess the other side could be people saying, I do just fine without a schedule. And I would like to hear about that. <laughs> if, uh, if there's anyone out there who does that. I'm not saying that's you. I am not one of the... I thought you were <laughs> saying that I was one. I was like, I am not right. one of those people. I know you're not. However, I proceed as such. <laughs> <laughs> I need to I need to figure out a system. Yeah. I think your system that we'll go into later might be a little too complicated for me. Not the bullet point, but your whole <laughs> calendar system. Yeah. It's it's kind of a lot. Um I operate off of lined, like the really like not really big, but like the lined sticky notes. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and I won't uh we have a bullet point I don't really want to get into right now, but Essentially, I just kind of have stuff kind of planned out in my head, and then inevitably, uh, it all comes at once. (laughs) (laughs) And every single project is the exact same. Like, the exact same. I could be, like, a dry spell for a solid month, and me just kind of, like, planning and, like, following up with leads. And then on the exact same day, actually, August was, like, super dry, and... But, like, I kind of planned it like that just because my wife and I were moving. And it was, like, September 2nd. I think I got seven projects in that, like, one day. And I was like, well, shit, I got to start writing this down. Um, And even right now, it's, like, just per my sticky note, 
Uh, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight projects on here, and two of which I wrapped up this morning. Um, so, but like there was absolutely nothing scheduled. Yeah. So, yeah. I consider wrapped like when I'm paid, not like, oh, this is done. It's like when the client, like when, when it is no longer an active project, yeah. that is when it's done. So, that's kind of my schedule right now. And I'd like to seek a little bit of change <laughs> in the best way. However, I think that there's a very important uh, thing that needs to be defined. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think I'm trying to think if I want to skip a bullet point. We can do it. Let's keep rolling. I think I'm going to. I think you need to define what your working capacity is. Mm. Can you help me understand working capacity? Is that like Yeah, so it's like how like what is your capacity of like taking on projects that week? Yeah. And it's like that can be a mixture of like full length singles, etc. for people who are doing this like all day to people who are doing this in their free time at evening or like me in the morning and then a couple hours in in the evening and then once everyone goes to sleep in my house, I'll normally, if I have, if I'm trying to wrap a full length, I'll work on a DDP. I'll build that when everyone's asleep because I can just do that on my laptop. So with a headphone pre and a pair of headphones. So, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty simple. But in terms of like how to define your work capacity, I don't like to take on, like if I have a full length, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that it's going to take me a week. Um, but it's like I might have a full length and two singles in a week. And it's like I don't have like a defined allotment, mm-hmm. but I would feel pretty uneasy taking on any more than that in a week. And granted, I'm only working, I'll get in at like 5.30 or 6 in the morning and I'll work until 9 and really kind of have to start toning it down around 8.30 because I just built the studio out of my office of the other business that I have. And then it's around 8.30 when people start showing up, everything kind of gets turned down and kind of tidying up. And then around 5 until like 6.15 in the evening, I'll just kind of like wrap up anything that I was working on. So I figured with my current turnaround, I'm able to do at max a full length and perhaps two singles a week. So, which is a lot better than where I was this time last year. And who I'd be interested to report back in January 9th of when we're recording this of 2020, like where I am in terms of capacity then. So, how would you define your working capacity per week? Like, what is the amount of work that you're willing to take on in a week? My work capacity. If you're not feeling like overly ambitious, yeah, like not lazy, but like just a general week. I mean, I, I would like to start this conversation with saying that I have I purposely schedule less work to always be under capacity. Does that make sense? Like I will when I started here in Nashville five years ago, and I've been doing the music thing for like ten years actually, because I just I just posted a picture on uh, I don't know what it was Instagram. Ten years ago, I started doing music um, in my parents' in my childhood bedroom home. There's a picture of me on a laptop with monitors and a microphone, 
and I'm making music 10 years ago. Um, Is that what you posted the other day? Yeah, that's what I posted. And I had a Jimmy Eat World poster in front of me, which is my all-time favorite band, and they were my ultimate inspiration. So, um, but yeah. So 10 years of this, and then five years in Nashville, um, I found myself getting into the hustle and grind culture, which we've talked about before, which is like you're going to work your butt off 24-7, for X amount of years in hopes that one day then you can like back off and enjoy the fruit of your labor, which to me is one approach. And I think it can work, you know, in this, and what we're talking about essentially with this is, you know, financial gains, hoping to gain money, enough money to make enough money to then kind of relax or something. And I thought that was a really good idea. It was kind of a, you know, it's kind of a Gary Vaynerchuk approach of, at least to me, he's always, well, he was, I think he's changed his tune a hair bit, but he always was like, you got to work, work, work and, you know, eat rice and beans and, and, you know, don't spend any money and you just work all the time. So I, I did love that. rice and beans. Well, there you go. Then that's great for you. <laughs> I don't. I'm so. built for that then. <laughs> but, um, and the idea of rice and beans, cause they're cheap usually, um, but I found I found an issue with that because um, I have an issue with the whole idea of wanting to not work or to be able to um, step back and not work as hard. Like after 10 years or ret- even the whole idea of retirement to me is not very appealing because um, I enjoy the work I do and I enjoy creating. And I think I will always want to create as long as I'm able to. So I don't have any... Um, I don't have any desire to quit working while I'm alive here on this earth, um, no matter what I make financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that with the with the capacity thing, I was working at 150%, meaning I would take on any project. I would work all day long, all night long. My schedule was not a schedule. It was just you work, and if you have free time, you work. And you stay up till 3 a.m. and hustle. And if, you, if you're doing anything else other than working, then you're taking a step backwards. Um, I got so burnt out. I hit a freaking brick wall and ended up in counseling because <laughs> I couldn't. I was so stressed out. Um, I think that's the interesting thing about the Gary V approach and... I, I don't know. Perhaps season one, I had a man crush for a while. Yeah. And I think he's a smart dude. Absolutely. And I think he's onto something. However, like, and, and, and he's and he's vocal about this, that, like, the way that he does stuff is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, not everyone's an extrovert. I'm not. Not everyone's a workaholic. Not everyone can, like, put in all the time and whatnot. And it's just, like, on 24-7. Like, that man is, like, he, like... I don't know how he's, like, not just, like, on, like, cooked up on speed, like, 100% of the time. Yeah. But, I mean, like, that guy's just high on what he does. Yeah. And, I mean, good for him. And, I mean, that's that's why he is in the place that he's in. But, I mean, the whole grind culture thing, I've said it before. I said it in season one that it's, like, the only thing that'll get you is just burnt out and you're just going to be, like, searching for a bed. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that's how... There, there were a couple months last year, uh, 2019, that were particularly uh, slammed. 
And I don't really like spending time away from my family any more than I have to. Um, and there were a couple times that I had to do that. And right now, but it was like kind of learning on how to like get better and get not necessarily quicker, but more efficient. I feel like saying quicker means that you're sacrificing quality for speed. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I mean. But like efficiency is finding out a way to like finding a way to do things in like a more like, I don't know, productive way. It's like, oh, this is better than doing this. And it's like, oh, shit, this just saved me, like, 30 minutes per project by learning this, like, quick command mm-hmm. or some something stupid like that. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's, yeah, efficiency is really important to me now. Um, but uh, I just want to circle back to the capacity thing real quick. Uh, I found myself, you know, hitting a brick wall and then... I went to counseling for a while, which was not everyone needs to go to counseling. I think it's great. But um, for me, I needed to sort some things out and figure out how I'm going to make this work and my marriage work and and all that. And um, I basically realized during that time that rest is just as important as working um, and that I heard. I want to do an episode on that. Yes. But that is another episode. Yes. And I, I'm i trying to think who it was. I had heard this on a podcast. I did not create this idea, but it was um, it was talking about music, and it was saying that, you know, we like music. The best music has rest in it. All of music has rest within mm. it and dynamics. And it was speaking into that general idea that there is a flow within music that we love, and that flow is identical to life, which is... A season, you know, we have seasons within the world. You can't deny that. And there's there's growth and there's death and there's rest and there's rebirth. And that's happening all around us, even within our bodies, our cells and our bacteria, within our gut. They're always reproducing and dying. And, you know, we're essentially just always recreating new versions of ourselves, um, except for our brain stays about the same. It can change, but you don't get a new brain every seven years which is some, Mm -hmm. there's some things on the internet that says like you get a new body every seven years, but your brain does not uh, function that way. But I thought it it was that like every cell replicates every, or every cell is replaced every seven years. It's, but, and, and to include brain cells. Yeah. But I guess whatever brain cells are left after that that seven years. It's not everything in your body. Um, okay, I thought it was everything replenishes yeah, itself. That's what I and they couldn't figure out. And because that in the psychology courses that I took in college, everyone and I guess what psychologists were trying to figure out is like, well, if that were true, how do like things like memory and whatnot transfer? Absolutely, because it's something that's like so fragile and finite. Yeah, yeah. So it was some interesting, weird little thing. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just I found that you know when I heard that idea of. You know, music has rest and life has rest. Um, that wasn't a practice that I put into my schedule of resting. And so now my work capacity is about 80% of what I know I could actually do um, if I really wanted to buckle down. But I have this very big, um, just at the forefront of my day, I always write down like, there is no urgency. Um, Hmm. and that I trust in today's time that's provided. And 
for me, that encompasses this idea that, you know, the work will always be there. I'm never, if, if my approach is I never want to stop working and I, I love creating and, and helping people, you know, get their music out, um, that there's never going to be a day when I'm just done. You know, that day will be when I die and I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm gone and who knows after that. But um, I, have, I have this thought now, this piece about the work will never end, which is why I take Saturday, Sunday off um, because the work's always going to be there. It'll be there on Monday, you know, and I take off on Friday and it'll be there and that's great. And I use Saturday, Sunday to really rest and hang out with my wife and, and catch up with friends and stuff. Um, so my capacity, my maximum capacity is about 80% of what I know I can do. And I only do about 80% because, um, my natural tendency is to be very prideful and ego and, and to be able to say, look what I can do. And so I kill that by only doing about 80% of what I actually can do. Um, and I found that to be a super healthy balance because when I first started, I would end my work and I'd just be an absolute, um, a waste of a human for at least a couple hours until I got to like recover from, you know, working eight or nine hours straight with loud music. And, uh, I just got tired when I would get done, I'd have dinner with my wife or we'd go somewhere and I'd just be so exhausted and be out of it. And I just felt like this is not a good way to function. So, mm-hmm. um, the last two has be two and a half years. I basically, decided I will only work on music for about four to five hours a day. And that's it. That's all I will do. Um, I do about another hour or so with emails and invoicing every day. And that's kind of it. I work about, you know, anywhere from five to six and a half hours a day. And that, you know, that's about my max of intensity where I can, I can do that. And then when I'm not, you know, in my room mastering, I'm still really fresh and able to um, be a great husband and hang out with friends and enjoy my dog and feel like I actually have a life outside of work. And that for me is important. Um, You know, and that may not be priority for everyone else. And if you're not married and you don't have a dog, then your priorities are very different than mine. Um, But I found that I had to cap my work capacity Otherwise, I just I just don't function, and I'm a big believer that in order for me to, uh, you know, help others and take care of others and be a part of other people's lives, I must first definitely take care of myself, and part of that mm. is knowing my limits within my work capacity. So that's like my whole philosophy on work capacity. Now, within that, you know, when I started mastering. I'd spend hours and hours on a song, you know, fast forward 10 years later and thousands of songs later, I can master a song, I don't know. It it doesn't matter. It's just quick. Like it's, you know, at most it's usually 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and sometimes it's done within a a few listens, you know. And Mm. I always listen to the track first, usually. Sometimes I get antsy and I start plugging in things to try and see what it sounds like. Because I, I only do that because I have the experience now of knowing where songs are at and where I want to take them based on my client's desires and my expertise on it. You know, it wasn't that way, you know, years ago when I didn't have as much, when I literally just hadn't done it as much. Um, but yeah, I can, 
I mean, I can do a full length in a day pretty pretty easily. Um, and that's kind of, I don't know. I just, I guess with saying all this, it just doesn't matter, I guess. A little mm-hmm. bit of it's all about what works for you and makes you a, a happy whole human. So if you want to spend a whole week on a full length, that's great. Or there's some days where I will master a song multiple ways still just because I'm curious. I did it yesterday, actually, because I got you know the new piece of gear, the Massive Passive in, and I wanted to hear what it sounded like with the different filters in and you know just A, B, C, what's it sound like with 18, you know, ripping out 18 and below, 22, and so on. And um, I was just curious. It's how you learn. Yeah, it's how you learn. And, um, you know, did I have to do that? No, I didn't. I could have done the standard, you know, in the 30 area where where most mastering engineers put a filter in and mastered the song and then sent it off. And the client probably would have loved the first version, but I was curious, so I knew that was going to take more time, so I scheduled it. You know, I gave myself Mm -hmm. a whole hour to do one song to give myself plenty of time to play around and learn. And, you know, for me, that's fun. And I think it helps with my clients getting a, you know, knowing I'm giving them the best in product matters to me. Um, And so that's all part of the work capacity is scheduling to me is all about scheduling the type of life you want to live, you know, and I try to help people, you know, when we meet or talk and, and whatnot is like, I want when people are like, I don't know where to start, it's like, why don't you just try to write down your ideal week or your ideal day? What would the perfect day be if money hmm. wasn't an issue? And that's kind of where I start with everybody. You know, they write it down like, I'm like, well, why can't you do that? Well, I have to go to work from five, you know, from nine to five, and then I'll master after. It's like, that's fine. But what can we, what's one thing we can implement right now, you know, within hmm. this schedule that you enjoy that would be a part of your quote unquote dream schedule? What can, what's one of those things, one of those little things, maybe it's like, you know, for some people it's like, I wish I would just meditate and journal in the morning. I had the time to do that. I'm like, okay, well, let's do that. Let's do five minutes of meditation, five minutes of journaling to start your day. Find 10 minutes. And are you willing to give up 10 minutes of your three hours of Netflix at night, you know, to implement that if that was your dream schedule? And they say, yeah. So we start there. And I think that's a really easy way to start creating a healthy schedule that really reflects what you actually want to do here on earth while you're alive. Um, And I think that's, you know, once again, that's the importance of scheduling. To me, scheduling is respecting yourself and your time here while you're, while you're here on earth. Scheduling is being a good steward of the limited amount of time we have on this earth. And I think, you know, for me, I view it as now like, I owe it to myself to be scheduling things what I, you know, scheduling, only scheduling things I like to do. That's, you know, the term, the bulletproof calendar thing. I didn't create that. I can't remember who did it. Um, But the idea of a bulletproof calendar is that if it's not in the calendar, it doesn't happen. And I basically do that. And it's just, it's, it's brilliant. (laughs) Like it, you get what you need done. You free up headspace. And you're happy because you're doing what you want. So, um, so those are kind of my thoughts, you know, about work capacity, and it's never a race with work. And I know you're that way too, Matt. And that's one of the things I love about, you know, you the work you do, Matt. For anyone listening, Matt 
will master things multiple ways. He spends hours learning about cables and A, B, seeing things. And, you know, Matt, you've taught me so much, you know, in this whole process too um, of the podcast and working together and mentoring. And, um, but yeah, it's scheduling is important. Work capacity is important in figuring out the type of life you want to live. That should then dictate how much work you know, you want to do. So that's my monologue number two. <laughs> All right. Thoughts about that? I promise you <laughs> that I have not taught you more than you've taught me. So you never know. The, I know I know a lot about cigars and airplanes now that I like that I know about. There'll be a there'll be a pop quiz later. <laughs> so number two pencils only, Scantron. Yeah. High school throwback. <laughs> Aerodynamics one oh one. That'd be a fun um, fun class for me to take someday. You can be my teacher. I used to teach at ground school. <clears throat> there so you I go. could be your teacher. <laughs> it's not current, but I could teach you the information from 2010. Well, that'd be more than I know now. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe for the second time we hang out. <laughs> that'd be great. I've only met Sam one time in person. Just one. It was a good meeting. We're trying to plan a meetup. Meetup dose. Um, so, yeah. I would say, I mean, and, and just kind of like a, a counter. So yes, people go. are hearing kind of how, uh, how quick you're able to do stuff. Uh, also understand that Sam has been doing this for, for quite some time. I'd say with me, I'm probably, but I, I, I experiment a lot, like Sam said. Right. I like uh, that I might about be, you. Well, thank you. I might be an hour, an hour and a half for a single, um, but I'm trying to make that as best I can. Uh, and I'm not saying that Sam's not, but it's like I'm gonna like try to find like what I like, what I don't like, and then like make sure that I'm kind of exploring the artist's intent and how close I can keep everything to that intent. In that, I was having a very difficult time earlier this week with a kind of. Not like a dance, but it's kind of like a lo-fi, like pumping, lots of bass, like airy, atmospheric-ish album. No, I'm sorry, a single. And I was having a really difficult time with the top end, and I was like, and I was trying to get it through my gear. And like sometimes like my Neve will like, if you push it past a certain point, which is not like in the red at all, Mm -hmm. sometimes some information it will like it'll distort what's going on um and i mean a lot of neve gear has that like kind of character and it's kind of like a, a like a a nice distortion and sometimes you can get by with it but this was the type of thing i couldn't and the client actually wrote to me he's like oh i forgot to tell you uh i want like a lot of mastering engineers will try to master my stuff and like shelve the top end make it bright and airy and Stuff like that. And he's like, I'm not going for that. I'm, like, still going for the lo-fi. He's like, I tracked it, like, with as best microphones as I could and, like, the best studios in town. Um, had the best mix engineer I could find mix it. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, but I don't want it to be, like, all airy and pristine. He's like, I still want some of that grease. And I was like, that was the word I needed. So just you completely just dump away that whole idea and be like, you just like A, B and be like, okay, how do I get like what he's getting? And it's like, I am going to shelf, but he's not going to know I'm going to shelf and it's going to make the snare sound awesome. And uh, the back CQ that I have has this shelf at 
uh, 18K. And it's like, if you just do like a half DB bump at 18K, it just like brought that snare out just enough. And while like leaving like that grease kind of in like the, uh, in the mids, more like high mids, like he kind of wanted the vocal a little bit covered mm-hmm. um, to kind of keep that lo-fi type thing. And I mean, I love indie music like that. So it's like, that's right up my alley. And so it just like allowed me to get really creative with it. Like after I'd already been really creative with it. So that was about like, took me about an hour and a half to do. Um, but yeah, it's like, I just like exploring the artist's intent. And if it's something that's like really funky, like I had a psychedelic project this week. I think it's called psych rock is the genre. And it was all recorded with room mics. Like the kick mic, I was talking to the guy. He's like, yeah, this is recorded like four, like the kick mic was recorded like four feet away from the kick drum. And I was like, why'd you do that? And he's like, I don't know. We just like the way it sounded. I was like, whatever. <laughs> and so it sounds like really distant and really weird and really trippy. But I mean, that's what the band goes for. And I kind of dig, I dig that type of music that doesn't really make sense. And that like steps outside of genres. Yeah. Because as like, an engineer doing this, it really pushes you in what you know and what you're able to do. So I I respect that. So, But if it gets weird, I just, like this one, I was like, hey, man, can we hop on a call real quick? I just want to make sure that, like, I can capture this vision that you have for this. And I was like, real quick, and because this would have not translated in a text message or an email, with like this is this track is supposed to sound like it's just room mics, right? And he's like, Yeah, pretty much. I was like, Okay, cool. Because another person sent it to me. I was like, I want to make sure that like something wasn't muted and yeah, I only got room mics. So he's like, No, no, no that's how it's supposed to sound. It's like, Okay, cool. How can we like get you to the finish line? Like, how can we like make it so that like this is going like like to like 11 or 12? So and we did that and, and no revisions. And he's like, yeah, man, this is awesome. How can I pay you? Yeah. We also need to do an episode on getting paid. Mm. We need to go back and listen to all these episodes and be like, <laughs> what were we dropping a little hints to ourselves mid-episode about other episodes we should do? This is to our audience to keep us... <laughs> keep us together. <laughs> Remind us Yeah, be things. like, if you want to hear about like getting paid, <laughs> then drop us a line. <laughs> it's like an old radio term. <laughs> drop us a line. Uh, so real quick, and we'll keep this to like a couple minute answer. Yeah. Um, uh, when should you start keeping a schedule? I find that you should start keeping a schedule immediately. Uh, I'll circle back real quick to what I kind of ended my second uh, monologue with, which was the idea of creating your dream schedule, um, you know, and then reverse engineering of what you can actually do within that at your current position and then reverse engineering how you can fit more of those things into it. I think the only way to get to your ideal schedule um, is to by, by starting to keep one. I think you can even keep one that isn't the whole day. Uh, I'm a big believer in just doing one little thing at a time, implementing that habit for I don't even care. However long it takes to where you don't even have to think about it. Hmm. Like, for example, there's a... There's a uh, meditation thing I do within the Headspace app on acceptance, and they're all like little 10-day things, and then you're supposed to move on. Uh, I've had trouble, not trouble, but I've wanted to really engrave this idea of acceptance, which is essentially 
not having resistance to life and what it brings to you and the people you encounter and just kind of accepting everyone and everything. And, and when you do that, everything kind of loses its, its power, its stress around you. Um, so I've been on day 10 for about a year and a half. <laughs> so um, that for me is, you know, how I implement things. Like I'll probably switch it out when, whenever I feel like acceptance has become something that's engraved so hard and deep into my mm. brain that I find myself really getting it. And I am getting way better at acceptance um, within life. But that's what I'd say for people. When should you start scheduling? You should start right now. Should you flip your whole life on its head with a new schedule? Absolutely not. I think a great way to start would be to implement one thing, even if it's five minutes of your day. If you're not used to having a schedule, just put in your calendar from like 7 a.m. to 7.05 a.m. that you're going to do whatever you want to do. Or if there's something after work, if you want to go to the gym and you've never been going to the gym, uh, just schedule yourself to go work out for 10 minutes and that's it. Like, sounds like nothing and it's kind of comical, but if you currently don't do that at all, having implementing anything new into your routine is always kind of a shock. And for it to mm. stick, you've got to make it super simple for it to stick because our our minds and our bodies we hate change. I it we really do. We're resistant to it because it um you know it stirs up the idea that things are changing or it might be dangerous or it might impact something the flow we already have even if the flow we have in life isn't great. Any change is usually pretty alarming to our bodies and minds which is normal like to encounter that. So if anybody if anybody's listening you're going to start scheduling things um, be ready for resistance within your mind or for you to be like ah that doesn't matter that 10 minutes I know I scheduled 10 minutes but it doesn't matter. So those are my thoughts on scheduling when you should start. Just start now, start super small, implement <clears throat> that once you've got it down like muscle memory you don't even think about it. Um, then add something else. So that's that's my thoughts on it. What do you think, Matt? I feel like, and I don't have an answer to this. Yeah. Uh, when I was in college, I went to a military school, and you could probably do a Google search for this uh, because enough people look at it every day that it should be SEO'd to hell. <laughs> um, if you like, look at like the Citadel and then type in cadet training schedule, mm -hmm. essentially they have the whole semester planned out for you via Excel spreadsheet from 5.30 a.m. until 11 p.m. every hmm. night or 10.30 p.m. every night. And it is like down to like 30-minute increments. And one of my best friends there used to be in charge of it his senior year. And in all honesty, I started keeping a schedule and I wouldn't go to bed at night until I had written out the next day because I needed to make time amongst the scheduling mm -hmm. in order to get some stuff done. So typically, I make schedules out of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> so and this, this gets into uh, kind of like our next bullet points. Like, and, and they are like, how do I keep my schedule? Then how does Sam keep his schedule? And... Mine is 100% out of anxiety. If I have so much junk in my brain that I can't think yeah. and I'm getting anxious over like really stupid stuff, like what do I want for lunch if I didn't bring my lunch? Um, 
I should probably write down everything in my head. And I've actually found universally that works really well if I ever have a pretty stressful situation. Um, and I think the anxiety, at least with mastering, stems from I really like, I really hope that I don't forget like that X is going on. Yeah. And it's like, I need to write this down. I don't want to forget this project. And like last September was a really busy month for me. And I mean, just in like me only doing this for a handful of years, uh, I think I had 12 or 13 projects, which, I mean, you have like some mastering engineers, they have um, like a full length every day. You look at like Howie Weinberg or you look at... uh, What's his name? Greg Calby up at Stirling. I mean, they're yeah. doing like a solid full length every day. Um, well, I'm not like that, but <laughs> it's like like doing like I, I want to say it was probably eight or nine full lengths, and then the rest singles for that month. It's like, well, if you just heard how I said that I typically can schedule stuff, I was kind of overlapping on a little bit of like how I like to keep a schedule. Yeah, and. I mean, it's kind of fun, like, jumping between projects, but it's also dangerous because you might, like, forget something. Um, so, I re- like, I just found, I was like, man, I really hope I don't forget this. And I, like, asked my wife, I was like, hey, I think in the future, like, when this gets busier, I think I'm going to have you help with uh, my books and my scheduling just because it's, like, that is a weakness of mine. And I'm a pretty big uh, believer in the term that, uh, and shit, of course I forget it. It's essentially like whatever you, like, like I'd rather like, I'd rather delegate something than like do a shit job at it. Yeah. It's like, and I'm going to remember it here when it's like no longer relevant, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, if my, and my wife like absolutely loves that and she eats that stuff up and, I am forever grateful for the gift that she has in that. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you were talking, Sam, in a previous episode how you're going to – or how you did ask your wife to help with some of your stuff around uh, around the studio, whether it was books or whether it was scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to see how, how that goes and if there's anything that I can – ask my wife if she wouldn't mind helping me with. <laughs> so that's a great thing about having a wife. You can have somebody, like, keep your mind straight. Right. And someone who supports you in that. So that's, that's always good. good. It is good. If you're hesitant about putting a ring on that finger, just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, how do I keep a schedule? I don't really. I just write shit on a Post-it note, and I write out the day that it's supposed to happen, and then it never happens on that day. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think November... Every single project in the beginning of November pushed back until the exact same week. Hmm. And I was like, are you kidding me? But it was like everybody was sick. There was like the Black Death going around. So everyone was getting sick and everything pushed back. So as good as schedules are, don't get so hooked on it that you're no longer flexible and that you're freaking out. And if projects have to be pushed back that weren't scheduled for that week, it's like, unfortunately, that's... Like, that's just kind of how it rolls. So, Sam, what is the craziness that is your schedule? (laughs) Because it's not the piece of paper that everyone cuttingly sees on Instagram every day. Uh, I mean, it's kind of that. It's busier than that. But, I mean, my schedule... 
I get up at 6.30 a.m. via an alarm, which is a puppy. And I do have an alarm on the phone just in case he decides to sleep I think about puppies, they don't have a snooze button. So yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you're kind of up. He's usually up around 5.45 or 6, and I we're training him to sleep till 6.30. So we don't get up till 6.30. So alarm goes off at 6.30. I will get up. I will go down. I will take my dog out in the backyard. I will let him pee and poop and sniff for about five minutes. Then I say, Biggie, let's have breakfast. Then he runs to the door. We go inside. I get him his breakfast, which I make for him every day because I spoil my dog. And he eats keto diet, <laughs> which is really true. It's the most natural, the natural thing. Um, it's from a company called Dr. Harvey's. It's called Paradigm. And it's a uh, super green food mix that you heat up, and then you add your own protein that you have to cook for it, and then you add some fat, and he gets a keto meal, which is shown to keep do- dogs disease-free, much like it has with humans. So this is a little keto... Um, shout out. Um, then after that, we will go upstairs. I will grab my journal. We will come back downstairs. I will try to go outside. Even if it's cold, I will wear a jacket and hat because I love watching the sunrise over my fence in my backyard. So I will journal. Um, my journal contains writing down gratitudes, what I'm thankful for, affirmations, which is just pumping myself up. I just tell myself how good I am in that section, Mm. Um, which actually goes a long way with helping you feel like you're actually a a decent human. Um, And then I do a daily prompt, and that is where I will write up my day, which is what you see on Instagram. Uh, After that, I will do social media, which is what you see. The start of my Instagram usually is around 7.30 a.m.-ish, an hour after I've done those first things. Uh, I'll do social media. I will check my emails. I will respond to emails. I will do invoices. I will check the bank account and see what came in. And then I am always, I have an ongoing spreadsheet of work with the money and clients and the statuses of everything is kept on a a spreadsheet. Uh, It's also kept in a Google Doc thing called Do These Things, which I've wrote about in my blog before. Do These Things is just a ongoing train of thought. Um, for the day and what's going on with all the projects. So it could be like project is set, waiting for revision, need to master this at 2 p.m., which is identical to my calendar. Um, It's just a train of thought. Need to respond to email later. So I do that. Um, And then depending on the day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I go to the gym for an hour um, at some point. Either I'll master song, then go to the gym, or I'll go to the gym and then work. Just depends how I feel. I do allow myself to um, flip flop my schedule. So it's the same amount of things, but I do allow myself to rearrange like gym to work or work to gym, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, so that's maybe something different that I kind of do that's not so rigid. Um, but yeah, I'll do that and I'll work. I will take a lunch break with the dog and I will eat as well. Then I will work again um, from about, I don't know, 1 to 5 or 4.30, depending on the day. Then at 5.30, everything is shut down. I close my studio door, my mastering room. It's not a studio, for those who are listening. It's a mastering room. I don't want people to think I have an actual full-blown studio. 
just a very nice mastering room. Um, and then I eat dinner with my wife, which is usually me cooking. And then I will usually hang out either at home or I will catch up with friends. And usually that's either people come to our house or we go to somebody else's house. I very rarely go out to a bar or something anymore because I can make better cocktails at home for half the price hmm. at this point. So I've, I've chosen that. My wife and I have been very big on creating our house to be more enjoyable than going out. So uh, that was a choice we made when we were renovating it five years ago, almost five years, about four and a half years ago, to make our house a place we really want to stay in. And then we created a backyard that really isn't crazy special. It just has a, a deck and a carport and some green grass and it's fenced in so it's private and we use that as an escape and put a movie projector out there and stuff. So a lot of the times I'll hang out at home um, and just enjoy what you know what we have. And then at 10.30, I am asleep. Sound machine is on. I sleep with earplugs. Is that weird? I don't know. Weird. Not many people so you have know a sound that. machine and earplugs? I do. I have both. And... Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure why I do it other than I found I sleep fine. I don't have a sleep problem, never have had issues sleeping. But I found when I wear earplugs, I sleep more soundly, like consistent long periods of time. Um, So I will put the earplugs in, and I may wake up one time in the middle of the night. Um, But sometimes I will just sleep straight until my puppy now comes up to my face and licks me. So... Mm. That is a very typical day for me. It looks a lot like that. Um, so how do, like, say that I'm a client <laughs> yeah. and I want, but, like, like kind of getting into, like, work. Yeah. If I'm a client and I want to book a full length with you, yes. what's your scheduling process with that? So to schedule actual work, you know, you'd fill out my quote form on my website, and then my wife would take a look at that and she would either respond or I'd look at it and tell her how to respond. So if you're if you're doing a full length, you'll fill out the form and tell me how many tracks you're doing, what kind of mastering you need, you know, standard instrumental, vinyl, et cetera, questions, thoughts, concern, budget, and then that'll start a dialogue. If the budget is good, then we book it. I'm usually booked about a week out. Um, so like if you, if you were on a Monday... I'd probably be able to get you in the following week on a Monday or Tuesday. I do not work Saturday and Sunday. Those are no work days. So turnaround time for an album is around three to four days is usually what I tell people, business days. So if I started it on a Thursday, you won't get it till Tuesday because I don't work Saturday Sunday. Mm -hmm. So we map out that timeline. Uh, Invoice is sent. Payment is made in full usually when I start the work. Um... And that's all taken care of. The mastering checklist sheet has to be turned back in before I start my work, which everyone gets. Uh, we've done an episode where we've talked about the mastering checklist. It's essentially all the the titles and the codes and things I need to know to make an actual album an album for a proper so release. Important. It's very important. If you have questions about that, hit Matt up, hit me up. Happy to answer that on a outside of this podcast. Um, and then I will schedule the work into the calendar for the next week. And it'll just be blocked out of, you know, from one to three, I'm doing this amount of songs. And then I'll, 
if I have something, you know, like podcast today on Wednesday, three to five is always blocked out for podcasts. So, well, yeah, so that's, you know, it just gets scheduled. It's not complicated. Um, and I only, I'm only able to schedule my work so well because I've done so much of it now to where I know what, what things take, you know, the amount of time. Um, there's also a threshold that happened a few years ago where most of my clients are now pretty established. So the mixes I get are, honestly, they're far superior than what I got seven years ago. So good mixes. So that probably helps. It absolutely helps. I want everyone to hear that, um, that I have to do a lot less now to the mixes I get. Um, and my masters sound better because the mixes are already better. And you may think that's unfair, but I started from nothing just like everyone else. And you work your way up. And that's one of the perks that a lot of people don't talk about is when you start working at, with higher-end clients, they're usually sonically way better. They're tracked better. They're mixed better. In most cases, sometimes they're not still. But for the most part, the mixes are all pretty solid. And that requires less work on my end, so I'm able to do things faster. That's part of the efficiency of me working faster is the the mixes are just better. Mm. Um, you know that like I, I want everyone to hear it's taken me you know <clears throat> took me seven years to start working with labels. Um, and label work doesn't also equal sonic excellence <laughs> either. You know, you've <laughs> said normally that labels are more of a they they can be to a point a little bit more of a headache than they are like a good thing like you can put a little badge on your website right but that might also be like i've put up with the shit right yeah i mean label work's not necessarily you know I want to be careful it's not worse or bad it's it requires more of you usually because there's more people involved so you might have to make multiple versions extended versions um You'll have A and R and management involved. You know, you'll have the artists involved. I joke about like you have like the lead singer's wife involved. Like everybody has a an opinion at the mastering stage, and um, you know, it's up to me at the mastering stage to really have a you know an open mind about what everybody's wants and needs and desires are, and what's in the mix that you know either needs to be revisited or what can I take care of to keep us on track and on time. But label work just requires a lot more usually elements and you're waiting on the label to give you ISRC codes and give you, you know, their whole metadata thing. And sometimes that gets messed up on their end and um, just, you know, things come up. So I allot for that. So if it's a label gig, I mean, I'll schedule like an extra couple hours. Just mm -hmm. I know I'll have to do that. And I usually charge for that too now. So, um, but that just comes from experience. My first label gig I did, um, I didn't know anything. I didn't even know really about DDPs. I had heard about it, never had to make one. Heard, heard about codes, never really, you know, I wasn't, didn't own codes. They provided them. And, you know, that, that project took a lot longer and it turned out great, but that was like a, a huge learning experience between an indie project and a, and a label. So, um, but yeah, you just, I'm a big writer. I write things down, so... I'm always kind of timing myself and making a mental note of how long things take. And that's been like a, if you want to call it like a, a music hack or a life hack or a work hack, like 
I just I will write down when I start on a project, like say it's four thirty, and then I get done at like four fifty six, and I'm like, okay, that took twenty six minutes. And then I hmm. kind of have this ongoing. It's on my do these things list. I keep a track of the amount of time things took me every day, and that then I kind of look at the averages of like, okay, a full length ended up taking this long over the last year. This is kind of where it lands. And you kind of, I schedule it that way. Um, And that's how I do it. And that works for me and it may not work for someone else, but that's, that's been pretty helpful for me. So that's how I do, you know, work things. When we're done with the masters, I send them off for them to review. Usually it's, it's pretty much their version one. If we do revisions, it just depends on if it's you know one song or multiple songs or sequencing changing will happen. So that'll change, you know, the song a little bit usually with volume from song to song. Um, but one of the biggest two pieces of wisdom I'll say is you know you start to learn your clients. So I have notes with my clients. Um, you want to talk about the office? One of the things, one of my favorite. Um, Michael Scott things is throughout the show he kind of talks about like he has his Rolodex that has notes about people on them and his notes of course are like unhelpful and usually offensive where it's you know it's like Fatty McFatterson's name is Fred because he's fat (laughs) but I do I do similar things with my clients where they have notes of what they like and what they need and I found that to be really helpful as you get really busy um you know, like last year, I I think I did over 300 different clients. And wow. when you have that many clients, they all want something different, you know. Not all want something different, but there's a lot of them who want, you know, I want 48, 24, and I want an MP3, and I want this and that, and I like it like this, and I want it to be more dynamic. And instead of me opening up all the past projects, I just have this, I just have notes next to their file. Um in like a little I should probably do that. It's super easy. You will not regret it. It takes about two minutes, you know, and then you have these kind of snapshots of your clients that help me, you know, give them a consistent end product that they're looking for that meets their needs. So all of it adds up. It's all the small little detail things. I think they all matter. Some people might say like, oh, it just takes you two minutes to do that and two minutes to do that. So what's the point? But when you start to get really busy, all the two minutes is suddenly two hours of your day, and that's my Gilmore Girl time. So I'm not giving that up. <laughs> oh so that's my schedule, full full circle there from the start of the episode to the end. So I mean, I do the same thing too. About uh, like if I know that I'm being given something, and the person who is sending it to me play drums on the album. Yeah. I'm going to make sure those drums are tight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make sure those drums sound legit because he's going to be the one who's listening. Absolutely. And it's like while drums are incredibly important, uh they're even more important when a drummer submits the mix to you. Right. And when you submit it back to him or her because that's probably going to be one of the number one things that they are listening for just naturally what they cue into. Um a uh, quick segue and our final point, kind of jumping back up our list just a tad. Um, I don't really know how to lead into this, but you'll have – actually, I guess this is the way. You have some people who will say, hey, man, I want to work with you. I have a project for 
mixing, mastering, or anything? Do you have any time available? And they say no, even though they have all the time in the world. They're just trying to sound busy. They're like, oh, man, I'll see if I can fit you into the schedule. Mm -hmm. Don't be that douche. (laughs) Seriously, if you have time and if you can fit it in, it's freaking work and get to work. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what you should do. Stop, like, acting like you're busier than you are and... I mean, it's completely uncalled for. It's like you're trying to look professional like you have a lot of shit going on. You don't. You're sitting there. You're in your underwear. You're eating Cheetos watching The Simpsons. Absolutely. You need to get to work. There's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, man, I'm wide open. What you got? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I I agree. I had a couple of projects last year that I got because of that. And someone's like, hey, man, do, uh, do you have any time? I can have something to you either this afternoon or perhaps I'll have it ready next week or something like that. And I could have been like, oh, well, let me see if I can fit it in. No, I'm going to say, yeah, my schedule is pretty wide open for that week. What can, when can we get you in? And they'll say that. And then you say, a very important part about scheduling is saying, okay, cool. If it's not immediate, if it, if you are not getting the project immediately, something important is saying, okay, I will follow up with you X day, whether it's the morning that you're supposed to get it or the day before, just to make sure that everything is on track. And even a better way to phrase it, and it makes you sound more professional, you say, hey, would you mind if I followed up with you? So phrase it as a question. Yeah. Would you mind if I followed up with you if you're supposed to have something Sunday night for Monday when you get in? Would you mind if I followed up with you sometimes Sunday afternoon? Uh, or Sunday morning. Absolutely. And they'll normally be absolutely honored that you're willing to book that time for them. So, yeah, don't be that guy. Don't. Don't (laughs) overinflate or falsely inflate your schedule. Yep. You're not impressing anybody. Absolutely. But if you legitimately don't have time, uh, what I try to do is I try to not give... I try to not create a problem without offering a solution. I mean, sometimes I do um, because I just don't have a solution. And I just kind of give it to the room, and it's like whatever happens, happens. But um, I'll normally say, hey, man, I don't have any time this week, but uh, how's next week work look for you? What's the deadline on this? And so it's like try to work with somebody. It's like the whole dating thing. Like if, like, you ask a, gr- a girl out – and she's in, and she's like not interested. You're like no, but if you ask her out and she's like no, but how about this day? Then you got then then, then you got a shot. So you kind of give a solution to the problem you're just creating. So that's that's I think my 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 last piece with that. I love it. That's exactly my thoughts as well. Are we done here, Sam? I think we're done. Kind of exhausted this. <laughs> We did kind of, but it was good. Didn't you think there? You didn't think there was that much to talk about in regards to scheduling. You know, I had scheduled two hours, and we're right there. So I must have three thought, minutes over. Yeah, we're technically. I'm at, I'm three minutes over, but I was. I had about thirty eight free minutes today earlier, which I posted on my Instagram story. I was thirty eight minutes about about thirty eight minutes ahead on my day, which was great. Now I'm three behind. <laughs> no, you're 35 ahead. Well, that's true, because I did do some book editing instead. Anyway, this was a great episode. I hope it was a good episode. that it helps people. 
I want to reiterate, if you listen to this, I want to say thank you so much. We are so yes. grateful for everybody who's listening. The best thing you can do for us is to share these episodes like you've been doing um, with friends and people that you think would enjoy them. And then also leave us a rating on iTunes. Subscribe to us if you like it, because that is the only way we exist in the podcast universe. And we need your help to exist in the podcast universe uh, so we can keep doing this. So that's all I wanted to say. Just a PSA right there. And that's all. I'm done. I mean, we got 25 five-star reviews. It's pretty good. I'm waiting. That's pretty good. I'm waiting for the for the first bad one. <laughs> the first four. The first four to throw us off. It's good for us. It's gonna be something like they dropped so much knowledge that I threw up <laughs> and ruined my computer. <laughs> that'll definitely be. Well, that's that'll, humble. That'll definitely be it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bragging point for us. Oh shoot! All right. Everyone, whatever you're having, morning, afternoon, or even, have a good one. Sam, I imagine some music's been queued up. <laughs> Got a little jive going on. I imagine. <laughs> All right, Sam. Cue? Cue the music. Cueing. See ya. Bye.